Hi, it's Doug. We're doing another feed drop episode this week. It's an episode by one of our clients that is also about human communication. This is an episode of the Australian podcast, Parenting and Personalities, hosted by my friend Kate Mason. It's an episode Kate did with her guest, Ellie Bambury, about really communicating with your kids. Bambury uses something called the curiosity approach, and that caught my attention. Here's the idea, and I know this firsthand as a dad. Imagine you tell your child to clean up their room. You've told them several times. You come back, and they haven't done it. So you get a bit louder and more emphatic this time. You come back, and they still haven't done it. Could be fireworks time, right? Well, Ellie's idea is to really try to understand what's important to your child, just like digging in and understanding your audience. They don't care about having a clean room. What they care about is that it's their room. So the curiosity approach is to inspire your child to see what's possible in their room if they straightened up and organized a little. I hope you enjoyed the episode, and we're back January 7th with a new episode of Stories and Strategies about generative AI and how it may be a bit overhyped. The important communication skill of listening to hear, not to talk. Are you a good listener? Who tells you so? Have you ever practiced active listening? Active listening is a complex skill that depends on a combination of personality and learned behaviours. And it can be developed by anyone. And that includes you. Now this means really listening. Listening with intent. Not adding into a conversation you're currently listening to and telling a better story. Or by adding new ideas and your opinions and telling people what to do. None of that is real listening. Listening is about understanding and listening with intent is understanding with a purpose. Let's think about it. You're listening to a podcast with no immediate mechanism to give feedback, so you might be a better listener than some people. Not a lot of us listen to others well. One of the hardest things to do is to listen to someone without comment, allowing them to talk through their own ideas and process their own thoughts. Today we're talking about listening as parents, listening to our children rather than judging them, telling them what to do and ensuring that they actually do it our way. Does that sound like you? Well, we could do this instead. We could ask curious questions, not accusatory ones. We could show interest in the answers. Maybe not butt in. Give them eye contact and lean in with your body when they're talking. Don't tell. Set them free to investigate the answers. Allow them flexibility to do things and learn from it in their way. Do we allow them the freedom and the grace to make mistakes along the way? No, we don't. Not very often. Remember that no matter who you are, and in fact who you're listening to, it might be your partner or your friend, not just your children, you need to listen well. Now this is hard, one of the hardest things that we as humans can do, because as discussed in previous podcasts, this is so important. I'm Kate Mason, and welcome to Parenting and Personalities. This is the podcast that connects you to the ones you care about the most. Today we're talking to Ellie Bambury from The Big Sister Project. Ellie is a life coach and mentor and the author of The Big Sister Project. 
Hi, Elliot. So good to have you join me today. I'm really excited to discuss your work. Hey, Kate. Thank you for having me. It's so cool to be on here with you. Oh, thank you. Now, I want to discuss your journey because you're a lot younger than I am and the work that you do is so interesting because I'm in a totally different generation. So can you tell me where you first started working with kids and what has made you do the things that you're doing to get to where you are today in your work-wise? Absolutely, yeah. It's been a a real big roller coaster for me, I have to say. Um, But to go right to the very beginning, I've always been... um, in leadership roles and like you know right from childhood I was always like leader of the, the group or you know directing stuff and, and I have a bit of a theatre background always on stage loving to be in that space of like connecting with people and um, bringing people together and then um, as a teenager as well I was in leadership roles in college and then I went on a gap year like an overseas experience uh, when I finished college in New Zealand and went traveling um, and part of that um, exchange was as an au pair in France so I was looking after a little six-year-old boy who didn't speak any English and um, we had a really really interesting time it was so much fun it was probably the, <laughs> one of the best experiences of my life but hugely challenging as well because I learned French in school but it's you know it's never enough to prepare you for real life especially with a child um, so that experience um, was a hugely transformational one for me. And then after that, I also, because I was spending time in other places um, in the UK and Europe, and I had um, a couple of weeks working on a program called The Challenge in the UK. So I was leading a group of, I was only 18 at the time, and I had a group of 16 and 17-year-olds on residential camps. I was the youngest leader there, but it was just something that came naturally to me. And there was a couple of conversations I had with some of the kids there. It was a mixture of teenagers. Some were rich and, you know, great families, others really poor backgrounds, a whole mixture of ethnicities. Um, And some of the boys that actually came up to me and said, and this isn't this isn't like um, like an ego boost or anything, but they were actually saying to me, like, you're the best person I've ever met. You just listen. You know, like they were just saying things that were like, quite touching and and moving I was like wow you've never had anyone listen to you like Mm -hmm. it was quite moving for me and um especially because I wasn't that much older than them and for boys as well it was quite a big thing to hear Um, and it kind of just sat in my subconscious a little bit and then I came back to New Zealand and did my film degree and um that au pair experience kind of turned into a a film a short film um as my graduation project like a short film thing and then I ended up writing a book um, about my au pair experience and that's the big sister project and it's like a memoir about how I kind of became a big sister to this this little six-year-old and um, as I self-published the book that became you know the, the, the next bit is is promoting it um, and going to speak about it and connect with people and naturally through social media I started to attract um, 16, 17, 18 year old mostly females that were wanting to figure out what to do next because um, wow. you know there's yes. often opportunity overwhelm these days you know you can travel you can work you can do apprenticeships there's online business there's so many things and I found myself like connecting with people all over the world that were confused basically or pairing and wanted some advice and um, that kind of in the very short version zigzagged into um, coaching teenagers um, and I started a business called the big sister project because everyone was like you're like a big sister to my my children and I've always had lots of people's, you know, I've got friends of all ages and many of them have kids and I end up being like the big sister or the auntie. Um, It's kind of a running joke, actually. (laughs) Borrow everyone else's children. Um, And um, yeah, so it kind of just zigzagged from there. And 
because of my creative background as well, I love incorporating hands-on workshops and running retreats. And I ran a film writing course where I was coaching young people how to connect with their own story, but then turn it into a script, you know. So I love to merge everything and play with it um, and help people understand the power of their story. So that's the very short What a version. wonderful <laughs> gift. Oh, my goodness. What a wonderful <laughs> gift. And to have that creativity is an, uh, a great thing to have as well because you're able to mesh the two together mm. and turn it into something a little bit different. So tell me about teens and older, you know, that that age group. What is it that they are missing? And do you think it's something, you're 28, mm. so are they different from what you, you know, are there things differently from what you went through at that time? You know, it's 17, 18. Mm. Are they different or are they the same? And in doing so, can you relate to that or do you have to bring in different experiences now to relate to that? That's a really great question. Um, and I I um, started actually working with the younger ones as well because I found that the problems the older ones were facing were stemming right back to 11 and 12-year-olds even um, because of social media mostly. Mm-hmm. And in relation to your question, I actually was thinking about this the other day and I think I was 13 or something when Facebook came out and Instagram didn't come out until I was probably like 19. So all the stuff that is, I mean, kids, teenagers these days don't use Facebook. It's an old person's thing. And that makes me feel old and I'm 28, you know. <laughs> um, but like Instagram and TikTok and Snapchat and all those things are rife, right back to the really young ones. You know, people are making fake, fake ages to get an account. Um, and even though I did grow up with some social media, it was nowhere near as big of a problem as it is now in terms of addiction. And, you know, because you couldn't have the, like, smartphones weren't a thing. So I didn't have it on my phone until much later. And it wasn't that constant. Every time I check a text message, I have to check a notification. And I often find that some of the, some of the biggest issues that mostly the girls have faced that I've worked with is when people don't open their messages or reply in time. And they feel like, have I done something wrong? And they start gaslighting themselves, like, have I said the wrong thing? Or are they ignoring me? Or am I a bad person? And often it's just because that other person is busy or doesn't know what to say. But if there's any kind of delay in response because they're so used to instant everything, it's like major anxiety comes up. And um, so that's been a big challenge as well is helping people understand. And I've experienced that too, you know, like I've got used to that now. I'm like, oh, everything's quick. And if someone takes three days to reply, I'm like, what's happening? It's natural. But at the same time, it's if you grow up with that and that's, that's the beginning of your social media experience is actually quite damaging. So in that respect, I've kind of got some level of relatability, but I'm also like actually having to be very curious about, um, about their emotional experience there too. Yes. Cause it's really interesting, isn't it? The, I always talk about perception in my workshops because it's the thing that impacts everybody's feelings and how they look at things. So for me, it's really funny because when I contacted you, you were back on in it on back to me in about, five minutes and I was like oh that was really fast because the people I contact are often a lot older and we tend to delay things and look I'm a great person for not contacting someone for three days after they've texted mainly because I forget after I've opened the text so people's perceptions may be oh doesn't she like me you know you don't usually think about that type of thing my age group doesn't Mm. you know like I'm not usually thinking about what someone else might be feeling on the end of the fact that I actually haven't gone back to them immediately. Mm. So 
how do you change their perception? Because I say to people, look, you never know what could be happening for that other person on the other end. And that's how I reassure myself if I'm a bit concerned and I haven't heard back from someone. How do you reassure those peop- those kids and get them to come around to the fact that it is okay if someone hasn't contacted them back? Because I, I can understand that um, anxiety that starts to build up in them because they're thinking, oh, maybe they don't like me anymore, they don't want to be my friend, you know, all of those things. So what's your port of call on that one? It, it really depends on the circumstance of the of the teenager as well, like what their home life is like and what activities they do because if, if all they do is go on their phone, it's, it's a different conversation to someone that is actually active and does other things. Um, but often one of my big focuses in, in most situations is bringing them into their body a bit because often, well, anxiety, you know, it's a feeling in the body and then it comes to the head and then the head takes over and sends you into a spin which makes the body worse and it's like this conversation going on mm. between your um, your brain and your heart and everything else and my focus is often helping them get into that feeling of anxiety and actually understand what that does to them, their system and then get them to understand what they naturally would want to do next with that feeling if they could do something to relieve it or to to like you said perceive it differently understand it differently like help them tune into their system more and actually understand that their system's talking to them and that is actually asking to be loved more um so it's, i try and make it a bit more experiential through you know breathing and i wouldn't say meditation but i do some visualization stuff as well and help them really tune into where their anxiety is in their system and help them see how they can physically relieve that um, because it's like you can talk, you can positive talk you, yourself out of most things, but if you're still feeling it, it's not going to land, it's not going to be sustainable. So I'm very focused on helping them connect with their body as well. Um, and actually, like sometimes, sometimes as well, like if, um, cause I've, I've been, I wouldn't say guilty of this, but guilty of this. Um, it's like, you know, when someone hasn't replied and you have that urge to be like, did I do something? What's wrong? Blah, blah, blah. And send out this massive essay and rant or whatever. Sometimes I'll get them to write that out and then not send it just to get it out of their system. Because sometimes that helps, you know, it's just to get it out. Be like, this is what I would say this. And then they can actually take a step back, have a breath and be like, is that really true? Do I need to add to the drama? Like, can I wait another day? Like, then they can start to see the impacts that that could have unnecessarily if they jump the gun. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I agree with you. Um, I saw a fab, I worked with a fabulous coach and his thing was sit in that emotion, you know, because too often we're trying to flip it and oh, it's okay um, and push it out rather than actually sit in it and go, actually, yes, I am really anxious. And where is that coming from? And how do I deal with it? I think that's a, a great technique and I don't think enough people actually even think about doing that. So it's a real takeaway, I think, to think mm-hmm. about that and change that. So you talk about curiosity and after we'd had our chat the other day, I went away and I started talking about curiosity with all of my age group and they're mm-hmm. like, oh my goodness, you are so right. We tend to as parents just, this is my way or the highway, you know, no questioning around everything. So can you explain curiosity and what that means how you talk about that with parents in relation to getting back to their children and understanding their children absolutely I think for me I often when I get a new client the parent will quite rightly diagnose their child to me like they're suffering with this they're going through that there's this problem this problem this problem and I'm like thank you for sharing um and then I'll do my own thing anyway I often one of my ways of working is not to not have that 
at the forefront of my mind, but also just not, that's not my focus. Like what they're going through isn't my focus. My focus is helping them be present with wh like what, where they are, like we acknowledge it, but then we move forward. It's not like I'm going to delve every, like bring everything up and indulge in it. Um, and I think with curiosity, that's where curiosity starts to come in because, you know, I could sit there with the parent and say, oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. And, you know, pity them a bit and be like, that's, that must be awful. I'm so sorry. Your child is definitely needing to learn a few things here and I'll make sure I can do this, this, and this. That's like, that's intense, like intense, right? It's forceful. Mm -hmm. Whereas curiosity is like, wow, that's really intriguing. Thank you for sharing. I wonder where that's come from. You know, I wonder what they're actually asking for here. And let's, let's be open to possibilities and let's be open to what they actually are asking for because behavior, just like with toddlers, they're not, they're not throwing a tantrum to wind you up. <laughs> yes. You know, there's, there's a need, right? So every bit of behavior has a need, an unmet need underneath it. And if it goes for a long amount of time and often by the teenagers, it's been a long time where there's a, a need that hasn't been met. And often it's not something conscious that we will be able to realize straight away. You kind of have to do a bit of digging and stuff. But I think the curiosity is just that encouragement of like, we don't actually know. And the child probably doesn't know either. And they might not know in their head, like in, in their conscious brain. They might actually need to do a bit of subconscious work, a body work, and actually understand mm. what's going on. Um, because we live in a world that conditions us to be basically people-pleasing all the time, all the time, everywhere. We want to so. make, we wanna make yeah. other people comfortable all the time. And it goes as small as like parents wanting their child to be polite and like go and hug and kiss their families when when they're little, when actually the child might not want to, but they get told off for not wanting to, that's already teaching them, even though it's completely innocent with good intentions, it's straight away teaching the child, make this other person comfortable, deny how you feel to make that person feel all right. And then, you know, it starts to ripple out. That's just one small example. So curiosity is that encourager of like, there's no right or wrong. No one did anything bad. It's just, let's look at this from a different lens and think, where's that mindset come from? Where's that behavior pattern come from? How can we start to shine a light on it so we can start to build a new foundation. Um, and another thing as well is with, I know a lot of parents are like, oh, they're always on their phone, they're always gaming, they're always this. And I say to them, okay, well, how much do you know about that game and, and what they're doing on there? And they're like, I don't know anything. I'm like, well, what do you tell them when they're sitting on their phone all the time? Oh, I just tell them to get off. I'm like, well, if you don't know what they're, what, what's feeding their system if you don't know who they're connecting with you're it's, it's placing a judgment straight away and I can understand it's frustrating sometimes and you know if they've been on it for 10 hours straight yeah okay cool but you want to make sure that you're going at it from a place of oh I'd love to know like what it is you're up to like share your world with me like I want to know what feelings you get from this who are you hanging out with who resonates with you like get curious because then they start to open up and actually want to be you know, over time, and when you build that trust in that relationship, you can start to see actually your child might be getting something from it that you're not giving them, or their friends aren't giving them. There might be some safety there, or something that's feeding a passion you didn't know they had. You know, there's mm. all kinds of possibilities. So it takes away that fear, it takes away that desire to control, um, and just blows open fun in the relationship yes. rather than trying to tell them what to do. Is your business in endless chaos? Are you constantly in a state of self-criticism and unhappiness? Feeling out of control? Well, take back your life. This is something I can help you with. Let me teach you the tools of self-understanding and self-love. You won't look back. Take the first step and email me for a chat at thepersonalitycoach.com. 
www.sbs.com.au And as a parent, uh, it's really hard not to tell them what to do. Yeah. And my children are adults. They're your age. And even now, and my husband is a teller what to do. Um, it is really, really hard. And I took your advice the other day. And my son was on his phone. And I said to him, because I'm thinking, oh, my God, you know, he's probably sitting on TikTok or whatever. And I said to him, so what are you, what are you doing on your phone? And he said, oh, actually, you know, he was creating an online business type of thing that and then we had a conversation I'm like oh my goodness you know I could have easily walked away and my perception would have been oh you're just sitting there doing nothing you know nothing's happening so because I was curious and I did ask the question I think for parents we very often tell you know um it it, it's something that we take over and it's something that we actually need to learn like we need to be parented around parenting in that sense because coming from your point of view um, a lot of the people of course that I get around with your mum's and dad's age and we were we were used to all of this anyway but also children copy their own parents as well so you've still got a generation of people coming up that might not be curious about what their what their kids are going to be doing and, and asking those questions and it also involves taking time to ask those questions too, doesn't it? And actually being interested in hearing what they've got to say and not flicking off whatever they say. And I talk in the first part of this about I'm an extrovert and I talk over the top of people quite frequently. I try to hold back, but I'm not very good at it. Um, but I've come in my maturity to sit back and listen in a much better way and not interrupt. And I have found that I hear so much more. And I now talk to people about that um, in my talks because mm-hmm. most people don't listen to listen. They listen yeah. to talk, yeah. you know. So mm-hmm. as a parent, what kind of conversation do we open up with our, with our children um, if we're coming in? Because we're usually coming in with a tidy up your room, what are you doing there, you know, something like that. What kind of way can we open up best? What is your best method for a parent when you talk to a parent and say, I think you need to do this? What would you say? I think first and foremost is, and it, again, it's easy for me to say this, and if, if you know, some parents would never have done any body work themselves or understood yes. their own feelings themselves. There's like a whole load of people that are completely unconscious to their own feelings, right? So it's easy for me to just say this, mm. but it's just an encouragement. First and foremost, before you do anything, check in with how you're feeling, like check in. Am I in a place like if your child needs to tidy their room? Cool. Great. That's, that's an instruction you need to give. But if you're feeling really angry and annoyed that they haven't done it for a week <laughs> and you're going to go in there and lecture them for the 10th time, they're probably still not going to do it. No. So it's like that whole, you do what you've always done. You'll get what you've always got. Right. So it's, it's about for me, even simply now, if I know I've got to have a tough conversation with someone, I don't have my own children, but um, taking just one or two deep breaths, like full belly breaths first mm. to completely check in with, am I actually feeling anxious? Do I feel like I need to control them? Uh, is there something I'm avoiding for myself? Like, um, you know, like ask yourself those questions first, like tune in with where your brain is at. If you actually are still stressed out from your day, go and do something for yourself first and get into a calm state. And then the, the instruction can come in another way. It could be around the dinner table. we like, Okay, you've probably heard me moaning like all week. Sorry about that. Um, it would be really nice if you tidied your room because, mm. um, you know, it, it, it is turning into a little bit of a hard to see the floor kind of situation and turn it into a joke. 
you know make it a comp like depending on the age you could turn it into a competition be like if you can get it done in under 10 minutes then you can choose what we have for dinner tomorrow like you know like turn it yes turn it into something that they actually are feeling and you know because at the end of the day a child doesn't actually have an emotional connection most of them don't to how their room is no <laughs> they don't really care like they're not going to see it from your point of view so if you're going from a forceful point of like you need to do it because it makes actually all you're doing is saying I pride myself on how my home looks and you're not living up to my expectation. That's all they're hearing. Mm. They're not hearing actually my room looks nice and feels nice. You know, so if you can do it in a way that's like, imagine how much space we could like create over there, like get imaginative, make it into something where they want to be engaged in the process of feeling clean and tidy and spacious rather than I have to do it because mum told me, Mm. you know. So that's, again, kind of the curiosity approach and just check in with yourself first and if any part of you is angry or about it, Give yourself some space first. Go for a walk and come back and do it from a place of love. That's great advice. Really good information because it's very true. And I do want the parents out there to know that when your kids do move out of home, they do tidy up their own houses. And we go to my daughter's and my husband deliberately puts dirty cups in her sink and walks away just just to hear the reaction. And it's excellent. We hear, hey, hey, are you going to do that? those, those dishes? But... The truth of it is, if you, often we are stressed when we come into that conversation and it usually is for the 10th time. So I think it's a really great cue to think about changing the whole setup. And because like you say, if nothing changes, nothing changes, you know, and, and that's that's the go-to. So if you can change your reaction to situations, then change comes about, which is really, really important. So what I want to talk to you about finally is kind of when, if a child does come out and say, you know, you are having a great conversation with them and they're pouring their heart out and it's almost overwhelming for you as a parent to deal with what they're telling you. How would you help to tell us how to go into that conversation, how we can break it down? What what can we do with that conversation? That's a really important one because as a coach with young people, that happens quite a lot. And when I first started, I was like, wow, because because my nature is, is quite calm and grounded when I'm in that space. Well, it has to be when you're with teenagers. You have to be the grounded presence. But, you know, sometimes there'd be a lot of offloading and I'd be like, oh, okay, there's a lot going on here. But it's it's important that your kids see that you're not just a robot. And that doesn't mean go and say, oh, my God, you need to stop talking because I'm overwhelmed. And it doesn't mean burst into a ball of, like, mess on the floor because it's too painful for you. But it's acknowledging, like, once they've shared what they need to share – Maintain the eye contact, show them what it means to take a deep breath, thank them for sharing it. So it could literally be as simple as, wow, thank you for telling me that. That sounds like a lot of things. And then take a deep breath together even and say, I just want to let you know that this is quite a lot of things for me to hear as well. So I might be feeling some things right now. And how do you feel now that you've told me? And make it like an exchange and that they can see that you're there and you're present, but you're also like in the process of, connecting you're hearing them but you might need to take a breath because it's easy for an outside person like me to come in and be like I'll just take it all because it doesn't affect me emotionally right and most parents that haven't necessarily done a a lot of inner work and self-development work straight off the bat it might be quite a lot to suddenly go into that space of full presence so just take it slow and it like the the most important thing is validation the second thing is well, they're all kind of interlinked, but, you know, another thing is making sure that you thank them for sharing. And then if you need to take a break or a moment, let them know that you need to do that 
but you are like reassure them okay let's let's have this conversation again in a few minutes time let's both go and uh, mummy needs to go and have a have a drink of water and then we'll come and sit down and we'll figure out the next bit and then ask them what they need because often if we I say we like I'm a parent but like if if we jump in straight away once they've offloaded everything and say okay well here's what we're going to do then this is what mummy's going to do mummy's going to go and talk to the teacher and blah 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 and like start instructing with what needs to happen that kind of brings it back to like you're in control again whereas what you need to do is actually empower the child to know that they have full control of now that they've offloaded that's a big step they need to know that they've got permission to make the next choice because otherwise they're always going to be seeking external validation for every big choice they make so if it's something in school you could say okay mum's got some ideas about what we could do but I really want to hear now that you've told me what do you feel like what what do you want to happen would you like to hear you know hear what I have to say or do you have some ideas that you think now that you've got it off your chest what do you think could happen next and then it becomes like a again an exchange it's not like I know better because like I said it's it's outsourcing their power to you but it also puts a lot of pressure on the parent because then it's like, well, I've got to get this right now because if it goes wrong, then my child's going to blame me for the rest of their life that I screwed up, you know? So it's like always find ways to give them the power over their own situations unless obviously they're in life or death situations. Yes, yes, yes. So <laughs> really, and, and if you chunk it down and take it into pieces and find out what's the greatest stress that you need to deal with at the time, is that something that you might do as well? Yeah, like, I mean... Often, like I said before, like sometimes they'll say that this is this is the problem, but actually mm. that's not the problem. That's just like the surface level of showing what's underneath. Yep. Um, you know, often they'll. Like I've had examples where two like teenagers come to me and said, "I keep fighting with this friend about blah blah blah," and it will be a common theme. And the first time we address it, it's like okay, and then we'll just chat about the thing and pull it apart a little bit so they can understand the mess in their head, and then. If it keeps coming up, it's like, okay, well, what's actually going on for you? What what do you need from that friend that they're not giving you? Because and and I always make sure I let them know that their friend is most likely not talking to another person to help them deconstruct it. So whatever work that child is doing with me, I help them remember that the other person is not gonna have this depth of of you know they may not have someone else to talk to so it's like if you meet them with this new self-awareness don't expect them to have the same but if you raise your vibration to a level of like calm processed collected intentional they will naturally rise to it Mm -hmm. like if you if you set that tone and it's the same with parents like often the thing the child is upset about is not usually the problem it's this there's an emotional need underneath um, so I always encourage to ask, like, how do you feel about that? Not, right. oh, what was the event and what did she say? It's like, okay, well, how do you feel about that? What do you need to help soothe that feeling? Such wise, such wise words, Ellie. <laughs> I wish I had everything that you've got at your age. It would have been a wonderful thing to have had. Look, that's going to be so interesting. And it doesn't really just apply to kids when you're talking about it. It actually applies to everybody. You know, like the whole thing. So to anyone listening today, I'm sure that's going to leave you a lot of things to think about. 
and don't just apply it. If you're going to start applying this stuff, apply it to your partner, your friends, your family, because it's such valuable information. Now, if anyone um, wants to get in contact with Ellie, her contact details will be below me in the show notes. So Ellie, thank you so much for joining me today. It's been really wonderful having you on and I have learned so much. Thanks. <laughs> thank you so much, Kate. I really appreciate your time. And yeah, thank you everyone for having me. <laughs> So when talking to your child, here are some questions that might be helpful in starting a conversation. How are you feeling lately? Can you tell me more about what's going on in your life? What do you think might help? Is there anyone that you'd like to talk to about the problems you're facing? How can I support you right now? Is there anyone that you trust to talk to about what's going on? And finally, do you feel heard and understood. It's important to remember that every situation is unique and to adjust your approach accordingly. It's also important to seek professional help if the situation becomes too overwhelming. I'm Kate Mason. Thank you for listening to Parenting and Personalities. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd love it if you could leave a rating and a review that would help others learn about the podcast. If you're interested in discovering more about you and your family's personality types, you'll find my book, Who Is This Monster or Treasure in My House, on Booktopia and Amazon. If you have an episode idea, please send a note to thepersonalitycoach at gmail.com. Many thanks to our producers at Stories and Strategies, and thanks for listening. 